Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. It's a free-for-all today on the phones, 877-973-7425. Glad to have you with me. I hope the weather is great wherever you are. Now, I, I, I did put on the tux last night. Uh, didn't get to really spend a lot of time with Luke Bryan. I was kind of hoping to, to say hi. Uh, just only in passing, did get to see Governor Kemp and his family last night. Uh, the inaugural gala, my gosh, there were a lot of people. I'm kind of glad. My, so my wife wound up not being able to go. She wasn't feeling great. Uh, and uh, there were so many people there. I'm kind of glad she, she, she got really bad crowd anxiety. And backstage was fine. There was nobody back there. But just wading through the crowd to get in and out, there were a lot of people. Like every five feet. Uh, somebody wanted to stop and take a picture, shake my hand. One guy wanted technical support on a software program. <laughs> uh, it, it, I, all, all I can, all I can tell you is it, it was a lot of fun. I was glad to do it. Um, but I was glad I got to be backstage, uh, and not in the crowd. Uh, and Luke Bryan seems like a very nice guy. Now I want to begin and I, you know, I gotta say it lovingly and, and I'm deeply frustrated I, there is, so I was the MC for Brian Kemp's inaugural gala in Georgia last night, and I put up a couple of pictures, and multiple people have put up comments. In fact, let me read you some of the comments that have been left in just some of the random pictures that I put up. Uh, and it's just, it, people really are upset about the governor going to the World Economic Forum. One guy says, too bad Brian Kemp is going to Davos. Uh, Another person says, uh, what about Kemp going to the World Economic Forum? Uh, Please address this on your show. Another one says, Brian Kemp, not Kemp, is a rhino and should have ordered a recount for the state of Georgia. Unfortunately, it was him or Abrams. And then there's another one. Uh, where is it? Uh, Kemp isn't keeping in line with those who put him in office. He should not be mixing with the global elitists with his visit to Davos, even if his purpose is to brag how he navigated through the COVID. Well, I'll say showdowns. He used a different word. He shouldn't be go. How dare he go? Hang out with the global elites in Davos. I just want him to bring me back some Swiss milk chocolate. Swiss chocolate is fantastic. When I was a kid, used to love to go to Switzerland and get chocolate in Switzerland because it really is some of the best in the world. Don't want the dark chocolate. Philip wants the dark chocolate. I'm not a dark chocolate. I like the milk chocolate. Okay, I I, got to deal with this one. Um... The World Economic Forum was started in 1971. It is a global circle of jerks, if you get my meaning. They sit around and claim that they have the solution to solve the world's problems, and they put it all on record. It's all on videotape. You want to know how people talk about the Great Reset and stuff like that, and, oh, the global elite want a great reset, because they're on video talking about stuff like that. It's not like they're doing stuff in secret. 
some people have got it in their head that these are actually lizard people in masks. And if Brian Kemp goes over, they're going to steal his DNA, clone him into a lizard person, kill off the real Kemp, and we're going to get some cloned lizard man who looks like Kemp on the way back. If you read the New Testament, and yes, I do have to go here. If you read the New Testament, one of the criticisms of Christ from the Pharisees was that he hung out with the undesirables. If this man really is a man of God, he would not hang out with those people. And I was struck by the tone of that one comment on on Instagram. If Kemp really were one of us, he would not hang out with those people. No, those people are precisely the people who need to hear from a Budweiser drinking Georgia redneck who's turned the state around and saved the economy by defying every single last piece of their advice. They need to hear they were wrong. They need to hear about Georgia's economy. They need to hear from a guy they wish had not been the guy. They all wanted Stacey Abrams, and you don't want him to go? I would tell you he needs to go. He should go. I have to, I I didn't actually think when I first heard he was going, I didn't think it was true. Like, really? He's going to go to those people? Sure enough, he is. And then I looked at the panel he's on. He's with a, he's like the only conservative on the panel. They got a bunch of retired governors who hate the GOP. And you got Brian Kemp, who won re-election defined. By the way, many of the people who are furious with him for going are also the people who didn't even back his re-election. They really believed the election was stolen, and they really believed that, that Kemp was interfering, and they really supported David Perdue because Donald Trump told them to. These are the people who believe in the lizard people. You've got to go if you're a conservative governor and they invite you because you need to provide them something outside their herd mentality group thing. You know, I used to be fascinated with this stuff when I was younger. It is, it it sounds intriguing. The world's elite, the business leaders of the world, the global Fortune 500, they come together at the Aspen Institute, at Davos, at the summits. And when you actually hear them, what you realize is that a lot of the world's richest people, from George Soros to Warren Buffett to Bill Gates, they think because they got rich, they are smart in other ways than which got them rich. They think because of their money and wealth that they can buy access and information and they can garner the wit and wisdom and winsomeness and tools of the world's smart people in order to solve the world's problems. And what inevitably happens is a level of groupthink. The Europeans, by the way, are far more prone to this than us. But at the upper levels of American society, you have very rich people who no longer view themselves as Americans, but as citizens of the world. And it's this elite citizens of the world stuff that actually causes world wars. They think they have become transcendent. Well, actually, you know, the people still view themselves not as citizens of the world, but citizens of the United States, of Canada, of France, of Switzerland, you name it, of China. The Chinese are not going to be run over by these people. But they somehow think if we all get in a room and we form our our circle of jerks, we go blind together talking about the things that, that stimulate us about the world society, that somehow we will find a way to trade with each other and have world peace. It's a bunch of hooey and nonsense. These people are full of themselves. But they pat each other on the back. They pay big fees. They want to go hang out in Davos. They need someone like Brian Kemp.
they would prefer a David Brooks. They would prefer a, a, you name the Republican, a Mitt Romney, a Paul Ryan, a John Boehner. They would prefer an unsuccessful Republican who says all the things they agree with. Instead, they're going to get a guy who Donald Trump backed until he turned on him, who defied them and Donald Trump to reopen his state ahead of every other state in the nation, got its economy roaring again, and now they want to hear from him on on what worked and what's he going to tell them. I did all the stuff you told me not to do and it worked. That's a message they need to hear. But there are two other aspects of this that you got to pay attention to. The very first aspect of this is how did you know and why did you care? Who was, where did you get the information from that Brian Kemp was going to Davos? And why did it make you anxious? The reaction of a lot of people on social media and elsewhere immediately was, this is bad, he should not do it. Why? I would submit to you that that's a reactionary critique. And I would submit to you that one of the hallmarks of conservatism has been to be thinking individualistically about the future and the past and weaving it together. And when you are in the position of reacting, oh, he absolutely should not go. Whoever you're listening to that's whipping you into anxiety may be someone you shouldn't be listening to because I bet they're causing you anxiety in other aspects of your life and causing you to be anxious about things and, and encouraging you not to think these things through. Let's, let's think this through. Every person on planet Earth, according to Scripture, is made in the image and likeness of God. And if every person on planet Earth is made in the image and likeness of God, and that's what the Bible teaches us, so I believe it's true, we all have something we can learn from each other, even as we may disagree across the board on everything. There's something we can learn from each other, even as we disagree with conclusions, analysis, interpretation, or anything else. So shouldn't we put someone in the room we agree with who disagrees with these people who can explain to those people us because they don't understand us any more than we understand them. And I suspect we understand them better than they understand us. And so a guy who has represented us, who has done what we've asked him to do, who stood up to people on his own side to make tough choices that turned out to be right, shouldn't we want a guy like that in a room like this, full of people who are high on their own supply and tell them they were wrong and tell them what he's doing. And it's going to defy a lot of the things they wish and he's not gonna change. And we know he's not going to change to do what they want because he has a history of not doing what the political pressures of the day have tried to push him to do. If you will recall, Donald Trump tried to order Brian Kemp not to reopen the state of Georgia and went after him twice within a week's period, blasting him for reopening the state of Georgia during COVID. And Kemp did it anyway. And the entirety of the world media came down on Brian Kemp for opening Georgia first, the Atlantic running a headline that it was an experiment in human sacrifice. And Brian Kemp tried to explain to all of these people that no, actually I've got to reopen the state of Georgia because it's a balancing act between people's health and their livelihoods. You can't take care of one or the other. You got to do both. And at the time, the people at the World Economic Forum, when all of this was happening, were poo-pooing Brian Kemp, that he was just this redneck who didn't know what he was talking about. More than one person at the World Economic Forum highlighted the governor of Georgia and the disaster he was making. 
And now they want him to come tell them why they were wrong and what the future looks like in Georgia. You should want that. You should want that. But there's something else here as well. The people who are worked up about this, the people who have anxiety about Brian, boy, the people who are mad at him going, not a single one of these people was mad when Donald Trump went twice. Why exactly is that? Why would you give him a pass and not Kemp a pass? Why? Brian Kemp has a history of standing up to people on his own side, doing what he thinks is right. You're, you're going to say, well, they're going to be able to compel him to do their bidding. They're going to, to convert him to their side. How do you know? Didn't work for any of the other people who tried it, but somehow they're going to have a magic switch that, that converts him. They're going to clone him, kill him, and send back the lizard person clone. Is that what you're worried about? Maybe allow the guy to do his job. Maybe give the man the benefit of the doubt. And I would suggest to you, it's kind of a really damning indictment on where people on the right are these days in their reactionism to these sorts of stories, that their first thought is not, oh, you should go and display to them how you got it right when they got it wrong. Your first thought is you should have nothing to do with these people. Instead of looking at it as missional and evangelical, you're looking at it as reactionary. I would always look at these things as missional and evangelical. Go preach the message of free markets and free people to a group of people hell-bent on socialism. Go preach that the people many times know what's right when the elite think they know what's right. Go preach that the system of technocrats that the world of Davos wants doesn't work in a free society and we should trust the people to get it right. And also, have a little faith in the guy. I mean, your reaction to him going says a lot about you. You don't really trust him. And, and those who didn't trust him the last time, they, they got thoroughly beat by him. Maybe instead of just screaming when he does something like this, giving the benefit of the doubt. I think Brian Kemp should go to the World Economic Forum in Davos because I think these people need to hear from the guy who took all of their advice and did exactly the opposite and came out on top. And they need to know they were wrong and he was right. And the fact that they want to hear from him when really they all wanted Stacey Abrams to win, I think is a sign he needs to go and remind these people that they don't always have it right. They very frequently get it wrong and that he listened to the people instead of the technocrats they wished he listened to. And the result is stunning economic growth in a state that defied all of their expectations and all of their advice. And he's living proof that if you trust the people instead of the technocrats, you can get it right. Don't you want these people to have that message? I sure do. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The Employee Retention Credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee, and now more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible, and there are absolutely 
absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. There's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or even reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses, so don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free five-minute questionnaire at Refunds with an S, RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, should you wish to call in, it's a free-for-all. You can call in and set the agenda. It's 877-973-7425. So I did put on my tux last night. There are parts of my body I did not know exist only because they itched. Oh, I don't like those things. I just, why do people do that? But I did. So I could emcee the uh, inaugural gala. There were thousands of, tens of thousands of people packed into State Farm Arena in Atlanta for the inaugural gala ball. Luke Bryan was the star performer uh, last night for Governor Kemp. Got to see a lot of people, um, too many people. Uh, my, my buddy Jeremiah is like, why are you even doing this? I'm getting you out of here and dragged me out of the place and got me in a car. So the funniest part was, <laughs> so we're in a we're in this SUV headed back to my hotel and um, we're having this conversation, my buddy Jeremiah and I, and the driver says, your voice sounds so familiar. I said, 877-973-7425. He's like, it's Eric Eric's. <laughs> I, 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 oh, my voice. I got a, I got a face for radio. I got a voice for print. So I appreciate you guys hanging out with me. It was fun. Uh, but I, y'all, I, I apologize. There were people in the crowd, um, that, that I really wanted to see. And I, I just, I got dragged out at one point, uh, by, by some of the detail. I it, it got mixed up, got pushed out. And then my, my buddy, Jeremiah, thankfully snagged me along the way and got me into that car. Um, and so I, there were people texting, like, I want to see, you. and I, I would have loved to have seen all of you who wanted to see me. I really would have, but I am fine standing on a stage with 25,000 people surrounding me, talking to them. But one-on-one wading through the crowd and every five steps, hey, can I get a selfie? Hey, can I shake your hand? Hey, can can I talk to you for a second? Hey, can I get some advice? It just, it, it one-on-one, it, it, I, I really don't mind it. I don't want you to think I'm, I'm complaining. It's just every five steps and I, it takes me a very long time to get across the floor and it wears me out. I'm, I'm actually more introverted than I pretend on radio. And I just had to go sit and decompress after a while, but I was glad to be dragged out of the place because I would have stayed all night and I would have actually engaged with everyone, uh, but I was saved from myself uh, by the Kemp team and by my buddy Jeremiah. So, but it was a fun time. All right, when we come back, uh, more on the documents from Joe Biden. Hello there, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to call in, it is a free-for-all today. You're more than welcome, 877 877- Nine seven three seven four two five. You can give us a call now. I must talk more about the uh, Joe Biden and uh, the secret diary. I looked last night. I want you to know. I roamed around backstage at the State Farm Arena in Atlanta. I just wanted to make sure there were no classified documents from Joe Biden there. Got it. Got to make sure. Uh, was it, was it, wasn't, um, what, what didn't, there were some boxes there and I looked and it was just stuff. 
But the damage control that is going on right now, even CNN is out there like, oh, Joe Biden, he was just, he was such a workaholic at the end. He worked right up until the last moment. That's why privately Democrats know the Joe Biden classified document stuff messes up their narrative on Donald Trump. They can bluster publicly and pound their chest and they can distinguish between the two and they're readily distinguishable, except Joe Biden himself lectured us on the integrity and sanctity of classified documents and how dare Donald Trump put them in a room at Mar-a-Lago with no security. Joe Biden put his documents in a uh, center in Washington, D.C., paid for by the Chinese, and in a garage accessible by Hunter Biden. You can nuance and you can distinguish. And if we're intellectually honest, we have to be able to do that. And you can say, well, the moment these documents were found, Joe Biden, he didn't fight the National Archives. Now, we need to we need to dissect this. Somehow or another, the National Archives knew what they were missing from Donald Trump. How? How did they know what they were missing from Donald Trump and they did not know what they were missing from Joe Biden in audits? His lawyer supposedly just stumbled upon them. If the story is to be believed, and I'm not sure we can, his lawyers were cleaning out his office at the University of Pennsylvania Center in D.C. They discovered among unclassified documents several folders of classified documents. When they did that, they notified the archives, we found these. They handed them to the archives, and the archives asked for a total review of everywhere Joe Biden was uh, living and working when he was out of office, and then they found more in boxes in his garage. Joe Biden and his multiple press secretaries have assured us that there is a sanctity and a security and a procedure for handling classified documents, and Donald Trump violated that, that had he followed the procedure, it would have never happened that he had documents wind up at Mar-a-Lago. Trump's counter to that is that he was the president of the United States, and he ordered those documents to go to Mar-a-Lago, and because he ordered them to go to Mar-a-Lago, he was de facto declassifying them and keeping them for his personal archive. Whether you agree with Donald Trump or not, it is far more plausible for the vice president of the United States to have violated procedure and have no power to declassify than it is for the president. The president plausibly could have said, well, I treat these as declassified. Now I'm, they're going to my personal archive. I don't want to send them to the National Archive. Now there are rules to follow, procedures and forms to fill out, and he didn't do that. But Donald Trump had the power to declassify the documents, whether he followed the procedure and did it the right way. Uh, you know, the history of some of his losses at the Supreme Court is instructive here. On several occasions, including the uh, ban on um, people coming into the country and the um, the DACA with the repeal and the census uh, questions, 
If you read John Roberts's opinions of the Supreme Court, essentially he says, yes, you are the president of the United States of America. You have the power to repeal DACA. The, but there is a process that you must go through in order to do it. And if you would follow that process, it would be constitutional. Trump and conservatives say, well, no, he's the president. He can snap his fingers, say this is repealed, put it in writing, and it's done. Whether you agree with John Roberts or not, if you look at his, his decision on like the census questionnaire on citizenship and you look at his decision on DACA, what he says is, yes, you absolutely have the power to do this. But there is a known legislatively prescribed and historic position and process by which you do these things and you didn't do it. Therefore, you can't do it in this way. It's not that you can't do it. It's that you didn't do it the way you're supposed to do it. And so we can extrapolate this from the uh, handling of national security documents that Donald Trump ordered these documents to go to Mar-a-Lago. They were classified documents. He says, I'm declassifying them. And this fits the pattern of he thinks he can do it. He snaps his finger. He should be able to do it. And John Roberts would look at him and say, yes, you can, but there's a procedure. If we're going to distinguish and we're going to nuance and we're going to differentiate, we have to be able to say honestly, intellectually honestly, that Donald Trump could do that. If John Roberts comes to, to Joe Biden, he'll say, I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President, you don't have the power to do it no matter what procedure you follow. The other issue of blaming the staff, the, the Biden administration is trying to find dead staffers to blame. They're trying to find anyone and everyone uh, to to blame. They're trying to um, they're they're trying to suggest it was people who weren't paying attention who did it. That he was working so hard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the the bigger issue though is why did they wait until after the midterms? And this does, in fact, seem to be something the National Press Corps is now suddenly realizing. It does seem to be an issue where even the American Press Corps is starting to realize, wait a second. They made a big spectacle of this in August with Donald Trump. And they covered this up with Joe Biden. Happened before the election. All of it happened before the election. They could have been transparent at the time. Now they're trying to claim there's a level of transparency and there wasn't. This is the thing that you have to nail Joe Biden to the wall on, regardless of what he did or did. His hypocrisy over Trump, his lecturing tone about dealing with classified documents, the, the way he said they were treated, uh, the procedures and, and him, him uh, rebuking Donald Trump and anyone who defended Trump. And he did the same thing. He did the same thing. And the galling part of it is they're now claiming that they've been transparent about it, and they haven't. They covered it up until after the election because they wanted it to affect the Republicans with Donald Trump, but they didn't want it to affect them. This isn't transparency. This is someone leaked it. They got caught, and now they're rushing to claim they were somehow transparent. No, the heck, you were not. You were not transparent. It's like the gas stove thing. They actually did say they wanted to ban gas stoves. And now they're gaslighting us. Oh, we never said that. This is Republican cultural. How dare you suggest we said we wanted to ban gas stoves? You put it in a white paper that it was under consideration and wanting public comment. And now you're denying it. Same thing with this. We've been completely transparent the whole time after someone leaked it to CBS News and we got caught. That's not transparency. That's getting caught. 
There's a difference, and you don't seem to understand it. You don't want to understand it. You want to claim some level of high ground knowing most members of the press are going to defend you. They had an article on CNN about it, about how he was just working. He was just so busy. And then, of course, you get the conspiracists on the left out there trying to defend him. This is uh, the conversation on The View. Listen to these geniuses. You know, you know what I think? I've never Trump. seen a, a luckier person than Donald Trump. Just as we're this close well, to getting him, but you somehow know these but it, documents you know appear. But here's the thing. Biden is wrong to have done this. He, he was in office wrong. Well, let's, find, it, let's find out what this is first. Now, again, mm. one of the things That's that gets true. me crazy is before we know, it's already been spun a specific yeah. way. I don't want to see that. The, I want to see... Someone explain to me, A, how it's possible that after all this time, nobody yeah. knew this. Because to me, if you're missing classified information, I don't mean to laugh, but in my house, does, if stuff is missing, I know it's missing. Does it missing. feel like oppo research to you? Does it feel like the Republicans are behind it? Oh, do you feel like the Republicans are behind it? Here's Hank Johnson, the member of Congress who thought Guam was going to tip over. My response to it all is that alleged classified documents showing up allegedly in the possession of uh, of uh, Joseph Biden uh, you know I mean there's so much that needs to be um, investigated and um, and that's that's what I call for is for everything to be investigated but I'm suspicious of the timing of it I'm I'm also aware of the fact that things can be planted on people so uh, how, why should we condemn anyone who thinks the election was stolen? Hmm? What, why should we condemn anyone who thinks the election was stolen when these people rush straight into conspiracy theory to stand by their man? Maybe they planted the documents. Maybe it was a Republican hitch-up. Maybe it was opposition research. Maybe it's not real. Maybe they weren't classified documents. Maybe we got it all wrong. These are the people who want to attack anyone on the right for questioning the election. They immediately go to conspiracy theory on this to stand by their man. Maybe we shouldn't take them seriously. Maybe, maybe they realize Joe Biden screwed up. And behind the scenes, by the way, I got to tell you, more than one Democrat has admitted absolute screw up by the Biden administration. Absolutely screwed him up destroys the entire narrative against Donald Trump, and behind the scenes, they all know it. I got to play you this audio real quick from, um, from uh, this is uh, commentary on CNN about this. Talk more about the politics just in a minute, but Tamara, as you cover the Biden White House, uh, you know, this is a week the Congress comes back in. Uh, he got a good inflation report this week. The president wanted to get off on a very different uh, early January, if you will, or mid-January. Instead, we're going through the timeline and trying to answer questions about how did this happen. It was back in November. Biden lawyers found documents at his former D.C. office. They notified the archives. Uh, on the Two days later, the archives notifies the Justice Department. Uh, the attorney general asked the Chicago-based Trump holdover U.S. attorney to look into this. Very smart there. Give it to a Trump holdover. Uh, Biden lawyers then find additional docs in the Wilmington garage. Uh, the White House uh, acknowledges, not in January, January 9th, December 20th, they were found. January 9th, the White House acknowledges them. And then on January 12th, yesterday, we get the special counsel. In terms of having to deal with this, 
Uh, what is it doing to the White House? Well, and I think it's also notable that on the 9th, they acknowledged the first tranche of documents, right. but they didn't say anything about the documents that were found on December 20th, which came as a surprise to a lot of people when the next day a story breaks and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we found more documents and yet another one somewhere else in the House. Um, yeah, how, do, how do they explain that? Uh, again, again, they promised to be the most transparent, most open. They all, and, the, and the, you know, former Senator Biden, Vice President Biden, President Biden often talks about how if there's anybody who knows how to do sensitive stuff, it's me. Yeah, and, and their definition of transparency seems to be shifting and perhaps entirely out of line with what normal people would consider transparent. Uh, the, their argument in, in the briefing yesterday and the day before is that, uh, that the, they're being transparent by reaching out to the archives in the Justice Department right away. They didn't tell the public. The midterms happened. They didn't tell the public before the midterms, even though they had found the documents. They didn't tell them after. Their argument is that they've been waiting for the process to play out. And if you look at the president's public remarks, he, uh, he keeps saying, well, God willing, I should be able to talk more about this soon, as if he thought it was going to end. Obviously, it is not ending. It, it has sort of metastasized into becoming a special counsel investigation. And it's going to be a lingering challenge as they were already going to face investigations from Republicans in Congress. This is there you go. Even even this commentary on CNN from an NPR reporter, no less, with John King having trouble uh, covering for Biden. It's just hard to do. My goodness. Well, you know, I hope Joe Biden at least had an Eden Pure thunderstorm in his garage to get rid of the foul odor. When they got in there and found the documents, you can get three of these. You know, someone told me on stage last night while I was I was doing the intro for the gal, I, I should have uh, made a pitch for the Eden I should have on stage. It would have actually been kind of funny. And also, the fog machines were kind of smelly. Uh, the Eden Pure could have taken care of them. You can get three of them for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com. And you put in discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You're saving $200, you get free shipping, and they wipe out odors, pet odors, litter box odors, smoke odors, uh, fry and cooking odors. They wipe out odors. So get one for your RV, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, you name it. Uh, I keep one in my travel bag I, whenever I need it. If I'm hotel or rental car, fire it up. It just works. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. Hi there, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. You should be subscribing to my daily email, text data to 33777. Text data to 33777. Subscribe now. Uh, if nothing else, click through the link and go see. I, I put in writing my thoughts on Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, going to Davos. I think he should, uh, and I think you should encourage him to. Uh, I want to play this clip real quick from the president. You had a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, People, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage, okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. So the but anyway, was in a garage. yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, but as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. Except he didn't. That's his statement. We played this exchange with Peter Ducey the other day where he's talking about his garage. It was clearly a lawyer-written statement he wanted to read except we now know he did not take classified documents and classified materials seriously and then tried to cover it up until he got caught. Uh, Pierce, you're going to be up first today on the program. Welcome, Pierce. Hey, buddy. How you doing today? Good. What's going on? I was just going to make a comment. Number one, one of the things I feel, and this is both Trump and Biden, the GSA packs up all their papers. They do that. 
they have no idea what's going in there. The GSA makes determinations. So my feeling is this. Once you realize you have those documents in your possession, you should automatically, not when you get caught, but you should automatically return those documents to the to the people because they belong to us. Um, yep. And Joe Biden didn't do it. He admitted to having them, you know, for all these years. You know, my problem is who's had access to those documents? They won't release any logs from his personal residence or in the areas that he was working in his office of who came in and who had access to him during these what, six years? Right. And that and I have Hunter a problem. Biden I mean, was in and out of there. Yeah, I, I mean, given, given the dubiousness <clears throat> of Hunter Biden, it, it, it would have been something for him to to sell and, and get money for, for God knows what. Yeah, look, that, that's well yeah. said. And, and by the way, I, I got I to gotta leave you there. I'm, I'm sorry, but thank you for the phone call. Um, it, it's worth noting, to Pierce's point, the GSA, Government Services Administration, they come in and they do this packing. It is directed by the presidential and vice presidential staff, but they do the packing and they do the sorting. And they sorted these documents. And the thing that gets me about the stuff in the garage is that they were placed among a bunch of unclassified documents in the garage. It wasn't like they were they were uh, put aside. The ones in his office at least were in a locked safe. These were scattered about. And now we know there were more in the house. So three different locations of classified documents. And then they covered it up. Up. They tried to work it so no one would know. I am curious to find out who leaked. The odds are it was not a Republican who leaked, though. It's probably one of those Democrats who thinks he needs to be put out to pasture and let Pete Buttigieg take over. Wouldn't be surprised if it was Pete Buttigieg himself who leaked. That dude is one of the most desperate ladder climbers I've ever seen in Washington. Now, when we come back, the war on guns, we got to talk about it. 877 877- Nine seven three seven four two five is the phone number. If you want to be on the program, feel free to call in. It is a free for all today. You can call in about stuff I'm not planning on talking about, and you can re- rearrange the entire agenda of what I talk about. Eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. But when we come back, the war on guns. Wells Fargo going to war against gun manufacturers might be time to push back. 